0: your company will only rise to the height of your own leadership
1: this is the e-commerce leader a show for you the owner of a thriving online business in this shorter episode we bring you our hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects fresh from our expert panel chris green jason miles kyle hamer and myself let's jump in Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? Eva predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. All right,
2: welcome to another edition of The E-Commerce Leader. We're joined here today around the table by Michael Bisi, Kyle Hamer, Chris Green, and me, Jason Miles. And uh, we're ready to jump into something new and different. So we wanted to just mention that we're going to switch up the format a bit for our listeners. We're going to start doing these conversations as more of what you might call free-flowing topics, where just whatever we're passionate about in the moment or at the day that we record, we're going to talk about, bring our enthusiasms to the conversation or our frustrations or whatever is top of mind for us. So just a trigger warning, if you're liking structure and stability, we're changing everything. <laughs> and so with that said, and with that ripping the bandaid off and changing our format, we want to jump in first with something that's top of mind today. I got
3: something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I'd love to get y'all's opinion on it, because I've been in this entrepreneur, Amazon, maybe like reselling space. Although I've been in software, we did the whole scan power thing. And honestly, a lot of the things that I've always done, I'm just because I enjoy them. They're fun. I'm like, oh, we can see them barcodes at the store. Oh, FBA is like a real thing. I can take all that inventory and send it. And like there's like a whole new business model here and it's interesting and it's fun and I'm enjoying it and I would do it for free, right? I didn't do it for the money. I can't do it for free. And more recently, like this summer, I got back into yard selling, which I find I like a lot more than thrifting, right? Thrifting, the quality's not there. Sometimes the prices are high. Yard sales, brand new stuff. You're ridiculously low prices. Sell it on eBay. The technology that we have, like eBay has their own barcode scanning app. Amazon has a barcode scanning app. They're like professional scan power barcode scanning apps. And you can identify products. And honestly, I would do this for free, right? The fact that I can find stuff that I can sell for profit is one thing. The fact that it's 2022 and I can make content and make videos and build an audience around, hey guys, I just found this and now I'm selling it and I'm having a great time. And you can find this kind of stuff too. Here's what to look for kind of thing. And the way that I've always changed things is like, how can I make a course out of this? How can I write a book about this? How can I create something that I can hand off to somebody where I really enjoy doing this, want to make some money. Here's how to do it. Here's the blueprint. Here's exactly how I do it. But I kept thinking that if you don't enjoy it, because the second part of this is having experience, like knowing, like when you scan books or when you go to the sale, I know what to not pick up because I've seen it everywhere. I know what to not scan because I know it's not worth anything. And that only comes from experience. That's not that like, I know it comes special. I know it because I've literally scanned books. I've gone to hundreds if not thousands of sales. That's the experience that you get. That's the thing you can't teach. So how do you get experience? What well, do you put in the time, right? Now, how do you put in the time if you don't enjoy it? So I, I went back to that previous step. You have to find something you enjoy. Because if you don't enjoy going to yard sales, and I've taught people to go to thrift stores and scan books. They're like, I don't like thrift stores. They're dirty and they smell weird. And they will literally use that as an excuse to not go in this was early FBA days. You could make a thousand dollars a day going to church stores in your hometown, but because it was dirty and didn't smell good, they didn't want to do it. And that just stuck with me. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. So if you can find something you can enjoy, that you're willing to put in the time and gain some experience, that, that has a money-making opportunity to it, one, you can make money doing it yourself. And two, you, know, you can bundle that up into something that you can offer to other people, either as a lead magnet or a course or book or all these things. And that's like the input I would like from you guys is those are the two things you have to enjoy. It it has to be fun. And if it is, then you'll put in the time to gain that experience that makes it like just simple, no brainer, easy thing. I, but I don't know if that can be taught without those two things. Yeah, that's a great question. I, what you picked my
2: interest by was when you said you like something and then you always want to teach it. Bias towards wanting to be oh, sure. the teacher, or the author, or the course creator. I'm that way too. I'm like, as soon as I start doing something, I want to teach it. And I I guess that's just human nature.
3: I don't know. But I don't think human nature. But on that point, maybe not. I do it because I definitely understand a little bit about myself that I want to be liked. So me sharing information in order to get people to say, hey, that's really cool, Chris. And of course, I'm helping them. I don't know if you have, I call myself a like complex. I don't know if you would call yourself the same way. Yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Why
2: do we want to be in front of people, be a leader, be a teacher? Is it about status? Is it about ego? Is it about wanting it's to- about validation. Stri- strive for validation. Yeah, this is all. I'm going back to my four and five-year-old like to childhood days. But yeah, I think there's something there for sure. Do you have to love something to do it? Yeah, I think over time, Pete, you have to, it's got to be profitable and you got to love doing it, you know, or you're going to walk away for various reasons.
3: You could do a short term uh, if you didn't love it. Yeah. But if you want to do it long term, if you want to make it big, like Kyle or Michael, if you didn't enjoy doing podcasts, you didn't enjoy selling
0: on Amazon, how long could you do it? Like you could force yourself, right? But eventually your heart's not going to be in it. You have to have staying power and you might enjoy something in the moment, but you will not, it will not all be roses and sunshine and fun for the entire length of whatever it is you're working on, right? There's going to be challenges and you have to have enough passion around what you're doing and enough, I guess, maybe strength of conviction on it. Yes, I know this is the right path to weather the storm. And if you don't, then you just end up bouncing around from one high to the next high to the next high <laughs> and you're not getting any substance out of it. But, um, yeah. Would you call that discipline? Right. Cause you can yeah. discipline yourself to do something you don't like. I think it's discipline, but I think it's also like having a clear vision of where you, it, Think about the entrepreneurs who who create something from scratch, like the Elon Musk of the world, right? So he obviously has a vision for going to Mars and probably a bunch of other things. Yeah, but SpaceX is the vehicle for him to get there. And he realizes, okay, I have to build a reusable rocket that lands. And that's step one, because then I can proving out the technology and making it cheaper. And then I can, people pay me to set, send stuff into space and I can beat everybody else to it because I'm much cheaper and that will help give me the revenue and the money to then fund what I really want to do. Obviously, that was not just like a straight, oh, this is fun and everything's working great, right? It's no. I have to have this next rocket not explode or I'm bankrupt. It was a rough ride. So I think that there's, yes, discipline to it. But more, I think importantly, I think you have to have a vision of where you're going to go and who you're going to serve and how you're going to get there. And that's going to help whether it's fun or not. There's going to be times where I think at the core, you have to have a deep conviction and belief in it, but it will be fun along the way. And it should be, and you should enjoy what you're doing. But ultimately, I think it comes down to your conviction around the vision of what you're trying to produce
1: being mission-driven. Yeah. Chris, I'm curious, what makes you feel like this is a topic you wanted to bring up because obviously it's interesting because I read some of your media posts and I like Facebook or what have you, and this mental game of do I need self-validation, is this okay or not? Is that what causes you to bring it up? What is it that? Oh, no, not that part. I know myself well enough that I yeah. have a, that I want to be like, so that I want approval of others. I think part
3: of it is like when you bleach something, you want other people to believe it as well as validation right. so if i believe there's like an opportunity here to flip stuff and do the ebay thing if no one else agrees with me then you're like is there something wrong with me i kind of think now <laughs> i'm not using that as an exact example i know a lot of people it and enjoy thrifting and you know, selling it on ebay but i definitely look to scale it up like when i did Skin power i just did it for it was my business partner paul who was we can't make this app free we have to charge money for it it's just a business kind of thing i'm like oh okay yeah sure like I didn't think of it as let's start a business and that business that's going to be built around software as a service. We're charge monthly fee and this. Software. None of that. It was like, can we do this? And we can. Okay, cool. Let's do it. And then I was. I eventually got off on doing something else. So I didn't have that discipline kind of thing. But as I'm trying to like, I'm just thinking through things as I'm doing this. So like, okay, I can make a book. I know I can build something big around this. I know it's going to help a lot of people. I know it's going to get a lot of interest. And I'm just trying to think of the perfect way. And it's, I don't have a perfect complex, but I want to have a book that like anybody can pick up and be like, yes. This works. It covers everything. That's why so many of my books are like way too big. I try to cover too much, but I'm trying to keep it simple. Like, why do people succeed with this and why do they fail when, like, I go out and I'm just having fun? I would do this every single day. It wasn't like we art sales are only weekends and it snows around here. Yeah. So, yeah, but I would communicate that to someone else. So they actually, I try to guarantee success. Of course, I can't guarantee it, but I would say if you don't enjoy yard selling, then you probably are not going to long term succeed with this
1: specific model. So, if your question is, or your your thing you're wrestling with, how do I create a book that is really fantastic and guarantees success? I wonder whether, from what I'm hearing, you you can't answer that question, which is that most people won't. I can't think of anything worse than doing that. Now, I may be wrong. I might go there with, if I work with you because you're an enthusiast. It might rub off on me. I might love it, but I think it's very likely I would hate it. So, even though I think you're an amazing guy and you're super bright and experienced and I trust and like you, I still wouldn't. Do the thing, so I don't think it's about necessarily the book. I think it's about maybe accepting that this isn't for most people. Most think it's a kind of marketing cliche. It's an obvious thing to say, but it, it's always about message to market match. And if the market for people who actually love thrifting might be quite a lot smaller than somebody who absolutely loves it might perceive. And in which case then maybe it's not a question of having the perfect book for everyone to be able to do it if they just picked it up because it's so perfectly written and complete and to the point that it becomes very thick, as you said, maybe it's actually, you're only looking for the enthusiasts who are halfway oh, definitely, there. Definitely, I don't yeah, know So that's any so use at all. <laughs> maybe I put that out there the wrong way. It's not, I'm try, not
3: trying to make something for everybody, but for the people who do say, look, I want to make extra money. I have the opportunity. You based on where I am, maybe they're not good enough at anything else to start some kind of business, this can be a kind of easy way, whether they need to, because for the money or they want to, because they enjoy it. And then for those people to pick up the book, be like, okay, this lays it out perfectly. This explains, this goes into the how with the why behind the scenes. So no, definitely not something for everybody, but I would put it out there for everybody who might say, hey, look, I want to make money on the internet, but you know what? I'm not really good at anything. I'm like, here, take this book. Because even if you're not good at this, anybody can do this kind of thing. And maybe it's just to remove excuses from people, like before they get into entrepreneurship, before they get into FBA and wholesale, if they don't have that skill set yet, I do believe anybody can take their phone and go look stuff up and see what it's worth and make an arithmetic decision kind of thing. And if they're not willing to do that, then I'm going to call them out on their nonsense and be like, then don't say you want that, go get a
0: job because you're clearly not really serious about pursuing that. So you will do the easiest, lowest hanging fruit. But Chris, I want passive income where I do nothing and I make money. <laughs> that's, I take you to step two. This is 1.0. <laughs> if you want to do 2.0, look at
3: exactly what I'm doing and say, oh, I can make content around my thrift stores and my yard sales and I can publish books with KDP and I can do a membership But if, That's the 2.0, but you can't get the 2.0 if you don't do 1.0. I find yeah. so many people don't have the 1.0 understanding. I want to make money on the internet. How come everybody else can Oh, it's because you're not providing like any real value. And I'll say that about the yard selling. What's the value of yeah. yard selling? What's the, how am I bringing value by looking something up and going and, let, and selling it on eBay? Anybody can do that, which is why that you're not making a million dollars selling eBay. You can make a million dollars selling books. If your book okay. gets sold to enough people and brings enough value and all these other things. So it's kind of like, yeah. maybe what I'm trying to find is like this baseline. Look, if you want to make money on the internet. And you're not even willing to stop, start here, to leave this alone. And the reason I'm asking you guys is that I'm narrowing it down to these two points: like experience of knowing what to look up and what to not, and what to pick up and what not to pick up, what to spend time on, what not to spend time on. That comes with time. Hmm. I don't think many people can put in enough time to really develop that skill set if they don't enjoy it. If they don't, yeah. have some kind of fun. Now, do I enjoy driving in between? No, but like I enjoy the hunt. Like I would do it for hours just to find something and it's like a little like dopamine you did it like 100 bucks right yeah it's fun
2: i guess the thing that strikes me is that the question is really what's the underlying motivation to learn a trade, and you're positioning it as joy or liking the enjoyment of it i think what kyle said was the mission driven nature of what why you're doing it I think those are two different bits. The uh,
3: 2022, you have choices. So you might as well do something. you yeah. like. It's not like you used to not have a choice. You do something you hate because you had to.
2: Sure. Yeah. But it's not just about the, what you might call the personal satisfaction. It's also about what you're trying to achieve in the world for your family, for your community. There's another layer of motivation, which is not what you might call, I don't know what the word is slipping my mind, but it's something more like egoic need. It's more foundational than that. It's more about I'm feeling
3: That's going to marks, to yeah, all that. Yeah. It's not necessarily pleasure fun. Like you can enjoy solving big problems. You can enjoy a giant grand accomplishment that you've been working towards. So enjoyment is better, maybe a better way to the phrase it rather and, than fun. Yeah. You have to enjoy yeah. what you do, all aspects of it, the fun parts and the not so fun parts that are all part of a bigger thing. And like, yeah. that's why I like talking with you guys about this because we all have different backgrounds. Okay. For the people, the entrepreneur, whether they're getting started or they're already existing, what do they decide to spend their time on? Where do they put their efforts into growing their business? Like, I have questions. a
0: question for you. I have a question for you. Do you have more enjoyment out of actually finding the deal or teaching people to find the deal and seeing them actually do it? That's a great question, but neither one of them pops out as being like instant.
3: Like, I definitely, there's a bigger opportunity to share and teach. I wouldn't even say this full-time. I wouldn't do this full-time as far as like, this is the only source of income kind of thing, but it's definitely the hunt for me. It's the finding, like the listening and the packing. Forget it. I mean, that's not fun, but it's definitely the hunt, right? It's definitely a dopamine kind of reaction, but I definitely get, and that goes back to the like complex, like for everybody to be like, oh, like the number of times I meet somebody, Chris, you got me an FBA and like I've done all this. I'm like, that's great. Like that definitely boosts my ego. Like I love it. I never did that intentionally. I never did it for the ego boost, but I definitely will take it on the back end. Good thoughts, man. So I don't know if you guys are thinking that way about anything with the stuff that you guys,
1: do. yeah, you guys I, I mean, publishing, right. But like Michael, you still. Write that book. That's true. I haven't, I think, yeah, I was reflecting myself as like, maybe it's more on the, I don't know, the sort of buying side of this for a second. instead of being the person putting information out there, what have you, and I think I was seduced into FBA because it seemed easy, quick. It was sort of the passive income promises, really, and the size of the win. None of which were incorrect in 2014, particularly. And in theory, but I don't say I, I made a killing or loved that process. I think I've gradually found my way towards what I enjoy, the aspects of it I enjoy, which for me is definitely more about teaching when it comes to physical products. Does that reflect the sort of people that you're trying to reach, and by extension, any of us are trying to reach with any of our sort of marketing efforts? I think that there is an there are different types of motivation i think the the fun versus the mission thing are different things i think also necessity is a difficult one because when you have very little money in your bank you're probably prepared to go out and do all sorts of manual labor that you might not Mm -hmm. be prepared to do later. And I would say that's partly away from motivation. Remember, a, a business coach of mine, Dan Bradbury, I want to name and give him credit for this, said, be careful of people who are motivated too much by away from motivation. Maybe it's more of a British than American problem, but because it tends to be very strong. But when you move away from the problem, for example, you have only got $500 left in your bank account or 50, whatever a low number is for you. And you end up with 5,000, 10,000, whatever a comfortable number is, for you, your motivation backs off. Whereas if you're more vision driven or you're really loving the process depending on what drives you some people are more mission driven full stop some are more about enjoyment right but whatever it is that's more of a sort of towards thing so i think there's also something to be aware of that, that i think the reality for a lot of people is they oscillate between fear and greed when they're responding to marketing messages which is oh wow i can make x amount of money and oh i'm running out of money i've got to do something i'm desperate and neither of those are ideal motivations so i think finding the people that are not stuck in either of those states is actually surprisingly subtle don't know what the answer to that is but i do know that's What I think you've got to find out there. That's what I try and find with clients now. People who are motivated by the potential wins, but aren't being taken over by greed and who are driven by some necessity to get stuff done. But not necessarily desperation. And so, for me, I try and find that middle ground when I'm looking for clients. I don't know if there's any help to your whole situation. I'm not looking for clients, but I'd like to sell a ton of books. And yeah, not options, or clients, or a model, behind it. whatever it is, are so people who buy stuff from you or buy your, buy into your ideas. Okay, good topic. What's next? What's top in mind for me is just trying to manage my VA in a way that doesn't blow his brain, but get stuff done quickly. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else has that, in other words. How do I acknowledge that I'm quite a poor manager and I'm likely to remain one and find people and manage people in that situation? So in other words, I need to move fast, at least in my perception, and I need to try new stuff, for example, moving from audio podcast focus to video podcast, because I perceive that certain market is moving for podcast listeners, for example, which is like an unpaid info product issue. So that's what's on my mind today. So grateful for any thoughts from anyone on that sort of thought management is the
2: hardest thing we do man it is the hardest thing next to getting a product that people will pay you money for managing people is uh, gosh yeah man i wish i had some help for you but i feel like i'm in the same boat in many ways uh screwing it up with one group of people or team members and then after i saw that mess i screwed up with another group of team members <laughs> and uh, so yeah it's I'm, I'm with you there man
3: it is a challenge you guys want the answer? You want like the
0: tough love answer? Hire anyone.
3: Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, more of a cop-out answer, but the answer is it's your fault. So
1: if your VA isn't doing what you, you want them to do. It's your fault. Oh yeah. I'm not blaming him. I think he's doing a pretty good job of managing a difficult boss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course. It can be, a,
3: I heard you say, oh, I'm not good at this. Like, if you say you're not good at something, you're not gonna be good at it. You'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Be like, and I say, oh, I'm so unorganized. And like, I catch myself saying though. You're never gonna be organized if you tell yourself that you're unorganized. So it sounds silly, but you might say, I need to convince myself that I can do this. I can become a good manager. Instead so of just telling yourself, no, I'm just, I'm just so bad at it. You're going to continue to be bad at it. You continue to tell yourself that. And also don't be afraid to fire somebody. Maybe this guy's not good. Or maybe he's not good enough. Maybe it's, it's not a good mix and say, look, I'm going to hire someone else. Hire five more people and see if any of them are good and fire four of them. Like sometimes you got to do that. It's best for everything long-term instead of trying to like make something out of nothing and like force something to happen. Yeah, I take your point. PMA, pain, positive mental attitude is important, right? So, yeah, there you go. Neither of you have been like long-term complaining about this. So I'm not trying to like really throw it back at you, right? Now, if you guys have been long-term complaining about some of this, I'd be like, oh, this is your fault and stop talking about this until you address that. So <laughs> yeah. hopefully this doesn't become a long-term thing. It's going to stay short-term and it's the same thing. Like any, just blame yourself every time that you can, because that's the only thing you can control. You can't just like magically hope somebody else change.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. Was it? It's uh, John Maxwell, the leadership guy. He's got a whole book on all these like laws of leadership. But the one that sticks out to me, the one that I always remember was the law of the lid. And that one was all about your organization, your company, whatever you're doing will only rise to the height of your own leadership and it is the law of the lid. So unless you are growing in your skill set, unless you're growing in your leadership abilities, Your organization, the people that work for you, what you're doing will not grow beyond what your cap is. And that was his takeaway. And it always stuck with me, like just mental picture of running into the top of the lid or something. And so whenever I experience that, I'm like, all right, where am I? Where am I putting the lid on what I'm doing right now? And how sometimes the answer is it's not, you might say, I'm not good at it. That's not my skill set. Then you have to find the right people that can augment or take that off of your plate. I'm not going to code an app because I'm not going to learn how to code, but I'm going to try and find the best coder I can, that I can currently afford. And they're going to do what they're going to do. Right. And hopefully create a good
1: product. Yeah. So summarize the advice is it's hard and it's be better, fault. and if you <laughs> don't get fault. better yeah it's your fault which i totally ignore i'm not That's claiming anything else and if you're <laughs> if you don't sort this out your organization is going to be limiting growth so i think you're right I, I agree with all of these assessments actually
0: yeah thank you yeah. That was now the, we've Michael's therapized like, michael i'm sure glad i showed up
2: today all right gents we have two minutes left this has been a fun format let me just wrap it here and suggest that if you like this format, <laughs> let us know. And if you enjoy the show in general, we'd love your highest and best review on the app that you use to listen to it. And we're really grateful for the continuing support of the program. On behalf of Michael, Kyle, and Chris, thanks everybody for hanging out with us today. And we will talk to you
1: soon. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vizi in London, England, and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.TheEcommerceLeader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.